listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Showjob. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today I'm talking about, well, I'm talking about talking to pets. Now here comes my rant of the week. We talk to animals all the time, whether we know it or not, just not in words, but our body language and even the way we smell communicates volumes to the cat, dog, or other critter, and our animal companions talk back, but do we listen? When the dog barks nonstop, the parrot screams or the cat cheek rubs your fresh lipstick, we often just want them to stop, never mind what they're trying to tell us. And if pets stop trying when they're unsuccessful, we've lost such a rich opportunity to communicate with them. Yet, how many of us have dreamed of being able to talk to our pets? Not just train them to sit and come and use the litter box, but actually communicate both ways, them to us and vice versa, a true two-way communication. But is it just a dream? My guest today says we can make that dream a reality. Casey Cover has been a professional trainer and a manager of domestic and exotic animals for more than 30 years in such places as Scripps Institution of Oceanography, Mystic Marine Life Aquarium, and the National Zoological Park Smithsonian Institute. So, folks, call your dogs, invite a cat into your lap, and we'll be right back with Casey Cover. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Hey, ready to take a walk? Not just you, but the whole family. It's the 2009 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 7th from 11 to 3 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to lend a paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet-related. Whisker Walk 2009, a fun day for everyone. For more information, log on to whiskerwalk.org. Coast to coast and around the world, it's all behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do, and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. 
We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please help me welcome Casey Cover, the trainer who can answer some of our questions about training, but also about understanding and communicating with our animal friends. Welcome to the show, Casey. Thank you very much. I like to always ask my guests first out of the box, tell me something about yourself. What critters do you have? Who shares your life and love? I have a horse, a parrot of 27 years. My horse is 17 or 18, two dogs, two cats, and my uh, monkey, who was one of the um, first monkeys to ever be trained to aid quadriplegics, just died at the age of 33. Wow. What was the monkey's name? Her name was Tish. That's, I think you're the first guest I've ever had on that shared their life with a monkey. I want to ask you more about that here in a little bit, but just to cut right to the chase. Recently, at the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants Conference, you presented a fascinating session on the Sinalia training system. Could you tell our listeners, what is that? Well, um, I'd be happy to. Synalia comes from the words synergistic alliances, and it um, reminds me every time I look at it that the whole idea is that people and animals together are better than either by itself. And it turns out also that the word sin and sinalia have many meanings in many different languages. And in Arabic, they mean um, the one that reaches the highest place. And in uh, Latin, it means going together. And they have other meanings as well. But in any case, this name represents a philosophy of training in addition to a method of training. And it stems from marine mammal training, where I started out working with whales and dolphins, seals and sea lions. And then I went on to apply those techniques to my work with training monkeys and with zoo animals. And then later on at the University of Maryland, we taught cows to tell scientists if they wanted food or a date with a bull. And (laughs) that might sound like a, a frivolous thing to do, but in reality, being able to know when cows are fertile um, is a very important question in the dairy industry, and not knowing results in about $15 billion or $1.5 billion of needless loss per year. Wow. And so scientists want to know, can we just ask the cow when it's ready to be bred? So I have been working... Um, with animals and trying to um, communicate with them so that they can understand exactly what I need from them without me correcting them and without having to go through trial and error. Okay, well, I wanted to ask you, how is this different than traditional training, which, of course, does take quite a bit of trial and error and corrections? When an animal knows exactly what you want, there is no trial and error required. So we teach, as you know, many, many words. Our animals will often have vocabularies of 
you know, one, two, three hundred words or more. And it takes a matter of a just less than a minute to teach a new word or a new idea. And then we start cross-relating them so that the animals can understand how they can use the words. And um, to do this, we have to be able to very specifically show the animal what we want. So at the conference, I showed how we would present an object, let's say a grooming brush, to a dog, and we'd name it brush. We'd let the dog examine it, and then we've taught that the, them that when we say, show me, they touch back the thing that we just named. So we'll say, show me the brush, and the dog will touch it back. The next step is to show a second item, maybe a leash. And we have them touch that back also to confirm that they got that information. The third step is to show both objects and we, we place them over our shoulders so that the animal can see them, but they're not presented to make a choice yet. We tell the dog which one we want him to show us. For example, show me the brush. Then we present both items equally at the same time, and the dog makes the correct choice. And what really um, just blows us away is that 95% of the dog, any, any, I'm sorry, 95% of the time, any dog will make the correct choice. We then ask him to make the second choice of the two, and then we'll switch the position, ask him again. This was fascinating to me. You had a lot of videotape of this actually taking place, and the skeptic in me would think, oh, no, this can't be happening this quickly because it was just boom, boom, boom. And I know you mentioned in the lecture that in traditional training, the repetition, which is key to most traditional training, can actually have drawbacks that this type of practice does not. Could you tell address that? Sure. If, if I say to you, good morning, how are you? And then you answer me. And I say again, good morning, how are you? And you answer me, and I ask you again, good morning, how are you? You're going to quit talking to me. Because, probably for many reasons. One, you may wonder if I hear you. You may wonder if I'm smart enough to understand your answer. In uh -huh. any case, there's no point. That's not really communication. When we give a tiny piece of real information, make sure that the animal understands it, then the next piece of information is new, and that's exciting to the animal. In the same way that people listen to your radio show to hear what new things are out there that you found to bring to them, the animal is listening to us to see what new adventures we're going to bring to them. Um, one of the most exciting things to an animal is to learn more about the world we share and to be more empowered to operate in that world. And when you think about it, we never systematically teach an animal language. But they're probably trying to understand the words we say over and over again, you know, every day as they listen to us. And we see the evidence because I know many people have to spell the word W-A-L-K. <laughs> they say, I'm going to take my dog for a walk tomorrow. The dog gets really excited about it today.
Right. In fact, uh, my husband has started spelling O-U-T, and the dog is reacting to that. I mean, if I think you're right in that uh, the animals, if they are learning without us consciously making the effort to communicate with them, they're already learning these words, then how much more quickly could they absorb these if we actually are doing having an active part in their, their education? And it's really relationship building because all of a sudden we become true allies. We become guides to our animals and our animals really can align with us because, you know, all of a sudden we become more understandable. We become more important to them because we're giving them critical information. We're showing that we understand what concerns them. If your dog is barking and you just say, be quiet, that doesn't acknowledge what he's concerned about. If we say, okay, that's the UPS man, good job. Now, please be still. The dog is much more willing to let go of that bark because he was recognized for his contribution and his concern was addressed. Absolutely. You're actually, you're, you're empowering the dog, you're empowering the, the horse or whatever animal you're dealing with and respecting them to say, yeah. yes, I understand. I love your, I love the whole thing with the alliance and becoming partners and the relationship building because so many of us, we seem, it's a busy, busy lifestyle that we live and we kind of, overlook that whole aspect. Is there any wonder? I mean, I tell my clients often, you know, our cats and our dogs probably think we're just, they've been communicating all along and they think these humans, they're just too dim. They're just too dumb to understand what I've been trying to tell them all along. Oh boy, it's so humbling. And if you recall the video that I showed of my really wonderful horse, my assistant in one of the pieces of video shows the horse a pair of objects and and I can't see them and my assistant doesn't say anything about them but I can see what the pair is on the table so uh, after she's finished so the, the assistant shows the horse she steps away I back into the picture so I don't see my assistant at all I glance at the pair of objects and I ask the horse which they are I've seen this video at least 10 times. We made it about a week ago. Do you know, last night with other certified trainers right here, we realized that every time if I named the correct object first, the horse was shaking her head yes. <laughs> well, it's amazing. They seem to mimic my cat talks to me of course, and she will answer back as often as I acknowledge her. She will continue that conversation. And cats, as you know, tend to meow more commonly at people than they do at their own feline companions. So they're actually trying to communicate to us. They're mimicking our behaviors. That's obviously your horse seems to understand that head nodding is a way of humans saying yes. And it was invisible to me. I was so focused on <laughs> her touching the choice that I gave with my, um, as you re may recall, we present a thumb and a finger outstretched and each one has an assigned meaning. For example, the thumb might be yes and the finger might be no. And so the animals asked a question, for example, is the music on, yes or no? And she can indicate her choice. 
But if the music was on, what we found is that she would say, if I said, is the music on, she would just shake her head immediately, yes, nodding up and down. I didn't even notice it. I'm waiting for her to touch the correct finger. (laughs) Wow. Explain to listeners what is a bridge and what is a target, because not everybody is a trainer. They might not understand the concepts. A very well-respected behaviorist, a scientist who studies what animals um, do when they're trained, was Keller Breland, and he developed the term a bridge, and it refers to a signal that tells an animal when he gets something right. And it's really important if you're working with a dolphin in the ocean, and the dolphin might be 100 feet away from you, and he may make a correct choice or do something else that you want, and you would need a way to tell him, yes, that's it. And then he has time to come back to you and get fish. Or maybe he's going to do two more behaviors and then come back and get a fish. So a bridge is called a bridge because it bridges the gap of time between the instant when the animal does what you want and the instant when he gets whatever other rewards you're going to offer him. A target gives the animal a second kind of information. The bridge tells him the instant he does something right, the target tells him either where he has to be to get something right or where the critical information is going to appear. Between those two tools, we can describe anything we need to describe to an animal really, really quickly. For example, I can teach an animal to do a spiral in a matter of minutes using those two tools. Okay, and I noticed with the videos of the cat that was being trained to accept handling at the veterinarian, it was amazing very, very quickly this kitty that had been completely unmanageable was able to be manipulated without anesthesia into position that could be x-rayed. And that can save the lives of many cats, and it can protect their health. Not only that, but it can save expense as well. Um, So the more that we can teach our pets to understand and cooperate with their medical procedures, their grooming procedures, their traveling procedures, the less stressful we make their lives and the better we prepare them to cope. All right. Well, who uses this method besides trainers? I know that you've been training veterinarians to use this. Can owners also have applications? Owners, Owners can easily use this, and we did produce a book. This particular one is oriented toward dogs, but it could be used for cats as well. Sats and the family dog. We have um, many kinds of resources available for free on my website. Everything from free startup directions that direct people how to teach the bridges and the targets to any kind of animal, to articles on how and why and um, videos that show exactly what things look like as they're happening or um, as they have happened. But pet owners, by all means, that's what it's all about. We want to see you, uh, not you, but your readers have the most rewarding, easiest possible, most successful life with their pets that we can possibly help them to have. All right. Now, we need to take a break, but we will be right back to continue our conversation with Casey Cover after messages from these sponsors. 
Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle, and we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves, so here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back, and again, speaking with Casey Cover. She has worked on projects such as teaching monkeys to aid quadriplegics, pigeons to guide blind people, cows to tell if they want to date with a bull, pigs to stand free for blood sampling, and even helped horses learn to dance. Now, this really fascinates me. I have so many questions about this. I've heard of guide dogs for the blind, and I've even seen miniature horses serving in this way today but pigeons you gotta be kidding me it wasn't even my idea it was the idea of one of my um or two of my students one of whom has gone on to be very famous in her own right dr jennifer hurley and the idea was that many people can't have guide dogs because of their lifestyles and also guide dogs don't have as long of a working lifespan as a, a bird might have so we actually started out with starlings because starlings can be taught to talk. However, it turned out that pigeons were a better choice and they'll often live up to about 17 years. They're much smaller. And these pigeons learn to drive the person essentially, pecking to the right, left, or center to start and stop them and turn them left and right to avoid obst- obstacles. Wow, so they perch on the person's shoulders, I assume? Yes, and they, we had little diapers for them, and <laughs> they had little leads, and they were very, very dear, and when you started working with them, 
you would um, put their diaper on and then put your arm out and they'd walk up your arm to your shoulder and you'd attach their lead to your little belt and there you go. Wow, I can just see the bus driver's face when a person comes on. One of my previous pet peeves showed featured Patty Ventry. She's the founder of Canine Freestyle, the dancing with dogs. And now you tell me that horses are dancing too? I've got to hear about this part. Well, um, all animals, of course, like to move. And the horses can learn to do many different kinds of movements, just like the dogs do. And we teach them very much the same way. The thing that gives me the biggest kick is how they love the music And my horse in particular just loves the music of Otmar Liebert. Uh And I wanted to speed her up, so I tried Beverly Hills Cop, and she snorted through her head and walked off and not even talked to me. (laughs) So they're music critics as well. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the People-Animal Partnership has been around for many centuries, and maybe today more than any other, our animal companions do assist us in many of these ways, very unique ways uh, at some times. But above all, maybe the best thing that they do for us is simply to love us. Now, I wanted to ask your opinion also. Do trained service animals truly enjoy their work, and how do we know if they do? I know they truly can, and we can see it in their demeanor as they work. One of our certified trainers is um, Deirdre Muccio, and her guide, Mare, was outstanding and was always gently wagging her tail and bright in aspect as she went through her job. And um, they communicated about many, many things. For example, um, Deirdre thought it was very important for Mare to have free time. So she'd take her out on the flexi-lead, But there were a couple of really important things. One is, Mare needed to understand that she needed to stay on one side of the path. Otherwise, she could trip up bicyclists or runners with her lead. So she learned to do that very easily. She also needed to learn to scout a cone of area ahead of Deirdre. So let's say Deirdre wants to take her out to the park for a run, and Deirdre's just going to walk slowly behind, and Mare can go all over the place as long as she stays on the right side of the path. However, Deirdre first needs to know that the way is clear, since Mare will not be specifically guiding her. So we taught her to go out in an arc, check the area, report back that it was okay, and then she was free to you know, roam all about until they got to the next sector. Ha! Huh. That's wonderful. Now, I know that you've mentioned to me also that you are very interested in doing animal advocacy and that you have a group that you're going to be starting. Tell me about that. The group right now is called Four Animals. And the idea is that we have many humane interest groups, such as PETA and HSUS, that are concerned with animal rights and animal welfare but do not believe that it's fundamentally humane for people and animals to live together. And I disagree. I'm all for people and animals being together and finding new ways to live in harmony together. And so we want to unite people who love animals 
and bring them resources to help them cope with their animals, teach their animals to cope, give their animals the care that they need, be happy with them, and also um, to help them understand some of the more difficult issues of dealing with animals. For example, if you love certain kinds of dogs, or really any kind of dog or any kind of an animal, and you have children, there are some very important things that will help keep your family safe together. And if you are going to have dogs in a neighborhood, there are important things that will help your neighbors to love your animals as much as you do. Well, that sounds like a wonderful group and, and very much needed. I'm so glad that you're doing this. And I happen to agree with you that animals and people really, I think, fulfill and complete each other in very special ways that, that it's a wonderful way to, to live together, to share our lives on this planet together. Um, I would have been very disappointed if you'd said anything different, quite frankly. That's one of my pet peeves, so I'm so but glad that you gave me that. chills up my spine because you said we complete each other's lives, and that's the whole point of synergistic alliances. You know, I have the keys to the car, and I understand the law system, and I can go to the store and buy the food, but I can't smell the cancer that you know, somebody may have that my dog might be able to identify. I can't find a child that gets lost. I can't um, carry, you know, a rider through terrain. So, you know, we need each other. And if, if you love animals, you will realize that without the partnership with people, they will not be long in our world at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned a website earlier. How can our listeners find you? They can go to sinalia.com. Spell that, that please. Mm -hmm. S as in Sam, Y, N as in Nancy, A, L, I, A, dot com. And there's lots of video there, and I will be putting up the piece with a horse making the choices and nodding her head up and down for the yes answers just as soon as I get back on the 4th. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we are out of time, but I would again like to thank Casey Cover and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. Don't forget to subscribe to the free Pet Peeves newsletter available at Shajai.com. Woofs and purrs until next time. And remember, keep your pets happy and healthy and communicating with you. As we said earlier, pets complete us. It's really the least we can do. After all, you don't want your pets to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>